Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. And oh, I want to say let's get real here for a minute, but that's pretty rich considering what we're going to be talking about today. And we'll get into that. But I got to tell you guys, every single time I go to record, all of a sudden my dogs who are really old and really lethargic and just snooze around all day not and don't do a damn thing whenever it is go time and I record all of a sudden they spring to life without fail and they just start like click clacking around and licking everything and oh it is so aggravating I love them so much but you know what and a lot of times I try to wait for that to die down and then I just get to the point where I'm like listen it is what it is I got things to do. I don't have time to wait around for them to get on my schedule. So we're going for it. So sorry if you can hear it in the back. That's just my life. So today we're going to be talking about something that really is important to me and has really been a long time focus of mine. Authenticity. We hear it a lot. It's a buzzword. We hear how we need to be authentic. We hear how we need to be authentic. So let's talk about that. There's a lot to talk about there. And clearly, because my friend and I were talking about it the other day, um, about specifically authenticity, it's one of my favorite topics to ponder, to explore, to discuss, and increasingly so in this era of social media, filters, curated images, highlight reels, curated lifestyles. Yeah, you get it, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So hopefully this resonates. And to take it a step further, it's also been even more on my mind during my acne healing journey. And you might have heard me talk about it or seen me talk about it on social media. And I think I might have mentioned it in past episodes. It's I'm actually really grateful for it, which is weird. At the same time, you know, it can be very frustrating sometimes. But honestly, just overall, and especially now, I'm just I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that it's rattled me out of my focus on looks, even though I knew that I needed to not focus on looks still. It's really like driven that lesson home and I'm grateful for it overall, but I'm getting off topic. So, I mean, still on topic. I feel a lot of shame for not having perfectly clear, smooth skin, even toned, especially at this point in my life. I mean, intellectually, do I know I'm more than what I look like? Absolutely. Intellectually, do I know my true worth is not based on appearance? Yes. But my worth in society, by its standards, society standards, very much depends on the image I convey, regardless of how I actually am and look. Society doesn't care about inner beauty and kindness and grace, intention, depth, excuses, health, reality. Its standards are ruthless, rigid, exacting, fluctuating, fickle, impatient, demanding, superficial, and most importantly, elusive. 
full, true achievement is impossible, always dancing out of reach. Society and its advertisements advertisements will convince you with just the right fitness regimen, just the right face cream, just the right fashion aesthetic, you can quote unquote make it. It's brilliant marketing, but it's bullshit. What's in today will be out tomorrow. And whoever is lucky enough to have their natural look aligned with the current trend, body, face, hair, shape, etc., is instantly deemed superior. Oh, you have a big booty? Oh, that's great because big booties are actually in. But good thing you weren't born in the 90s or around in the 90s because they weren't in it. Everybody was literally trying to work their butts off. So if you just happen to align with the current trend, awesome. You're deemed better in looks, in character, in ability, in life. And for those of us who miss the mark, whether due to mere timing, better luck on the next fad, or total divergence, you're just totally off the charts, hope is copiously commodified. What you can't or won't change or fix is your fault, your flaw, your demerit. And that's part of the allure. That's how they hook you. Holding up an example of how you should be or look in those advertisements with the implicit or even explicit acknowledgement you don't with the assurance that all you need is this insert product to achieve your goal aka worthiness and for extra kicks there's not just one world judging panel no there are many with all differing ideas of what you should do and look like and be and what's ideal in one context culture era etc is hideous in another contradictions galore even within the same context For women especially. Example, if you hide your body, you're an unattractive prude. If you show your body, you're a deviant slut. And double standards are part of the game. Mixed signals much? I mean, it's exhausting, right? But that conditioning runs deep, bone deep, it often feels. And if you're surrounded by something for every day of your life, it's bound to permeate. It is going to seep in. You're bound to be affected. Your subconscious picks up what society is putting down and your psyche doesn't easily release that just because you're telling it. The affirmations do help, sure, but still, I mean, it is internalized, right? We're wired for social acceptance. It was, and even actually still virtually is, vital to our survival. If you were kicked out of the clan back in the day, your chances of feeding and protecting yourself plummeted. And even today, Loneliness is a major mortality risk factor. Mental health matters. We're social creatures. We pretty much all crave belonging. So yeah, having a pizza face in a world like this doesn't always feel awesome. And I really hate the thought of needing wanting face makeup to hide my quote unquote imperfections. In a lot of ways, I have no shame in what I look like. I mean, I still wear clothes after they get holes in them. I spill something on me, I'm like, sweet, I gotta go to the grocery store. I mean, it just doesn't bother me. I still face the public after I've had a chemical peel where my face is coming off or a laser treatment where my face is all red. And stuff like that doesn't really bother me, honestly. I think it's because it doesn't feel attached to me, to my self-worth. If I'm wearing ripped clothes, I can remove them. They're not part of me. If I have a comically red face, obviously it's because I just experienced something And even the onlooker, who might not know what the hell that something is, they can tell, I mean, it's because of something, not because of me, not innate, not something I was born with. It's not me. But acne, that feels like me. 
Like I'm just not good enough the way I am, the way I was made. And then I need to cover up my so-called flaws to be acceptable, worthy, wanted. Yes, I know my friends and family will accept me no matter what I look like. And I don't expect someone to cruelly comment on my complexion. I mean, I really don't expect someone to come up and be like, oh, your face looks awful. They'll probably say it behind my back or think it. I mean, but that that's another thing. So it's not like I feel like I'm going to be confronted with that cruelty. That's not it. But they don't need to. I know what they're thinking. And I'm equating that fail. I'm equating that to my failure to meet the standard, society standards I've accepted and internalized. Again, do I objectively know how messed up that is? Absolutely. But when that's tethered to a message the world has relentlessly hammered into you in multiple, sometimes unknown ways, your whole life, it's going to take root. It's going to take time to de-internalize, to flush out. Is complete system override even possible? Who even freaking knows? It feels doubtful, especially right now. But the more we're aware and the more we intentionally, personally, and collectively call BS out and defy it, step by step, we'll make a dent and we'll shift the needle and then a bigger dent and then a bigger dent. So speaking of unrealistic societal beauty standards and speaking of authenticity, I was really bumming. Lately, I've really pulled back from showing my face on social media. I don't do stories that I used to do. I don't do all of the pictures I used to do. And I try to avoid filters because I feel like those are disingenuous. And though I hate covering my face in makeup, I don't quite yet feel comfortable bare facing it. I just don't. My highest self would love to say screw it and post a picture of myself makeup free. I've come so close to doing that. Not only to rebel against toxic beauty culture, but also to live and show my truth, to offer hope and light to others and to just be fully authentic. But I've realized, much to my sister's credit, I'm grateful for her, that my mental health matters and I must honor where I am right now. Not where I think I should be, but where I am right now. I don't have to ignore where I was, how far I've come, and where I want to be, but I do have to acknowledge and respect where I am right now. And right now, my mental health would really take a hit. I have such an all or nothing personality and I'm learning the value of moderation of step-by-step. Truly though, I felt like such a fraud. Here I am promoting self-love, self-acceptance, unconditional worthiness, independent of our exterior. And yet, I didn't even feel comfortable posting a picture of myself sans foundation because I care about what I look like. I do, and that's okay. Like I said earlier, we have been and still are inundated with this conditional worthiness model every day of our lives it's not going to disappear overnight it'll take time patience intention awareness solidarity grace persistence and compassion we can still simultaneously aspire to something and promote that something while living an authentic but complex flawed existence that's part of being human right this doesn't have to mean we're inauthentic or disingenuous Honesty is key, and so I'm offering my honesty to you right here. Which brings us to another subtopic of this, privacy in the context of authenticity. I think for many of us, media, particularly social media, has warped our sense of what we should and shouldn't share with the world, what we're obligated to share with the world, and what we're entitled to know about others, especially celebrities, but also the rest of us mere mortals. I think for 
multiple reasons, we're susceptible to feeling and actually being pressured to reveal more and more of our inner world for likes, for attention, for validation, for sales. Vulnerability has become commercialized, leveraged, strategized. And I know this isn't everybody's experience. I mean, to varying degrees, there's a spectrum, right? In a way, I think this has desensitized us and removed us from ourselves and from others. Raw moments have become content we can now scroll past, like big whoop. We want more. We want more to catch our attention. We've seen a lot. Now we need more to catch our attention. Our thirst for it grows, prompting us to not only top our last share, but other shares. And maybe this isn't your journey still, but you can see this play out in social media even just as a consumer of it, even if you're not posting and sharing. To stand out, we feel like, people feel like they need to be even more shocking, get more of a shock value. Like I said, to stand out, to stop the scroll, a lot of times to prove ourselves. And if we don't bear all, we're often equated with being fake, posed, superficial. We've come to equate authenticity with transparency. I'll say that again, we've come to equate authenticity with transparency. We're nurturing voyeurism and judgment. It's bad enough with celebrities. I mean, come on. Just because someone is in a movie for their profession does not mean they're obligated to share the details of their divorce or eating disorder or addiction struggle. Personal life. And like in the past, I used to feel, well, that's part of the trade-off, right? I mean, some people live in poverty and have to work three jobs to put food on their table. And so that's their burden to bear. You know, the people who were in the public eye chose that lifestyle. And so I just dropped my phone. (laughs) If you're wondering what that, what that sound was. And so they chose to be in the public eye and that's part of the trade-off. They don't have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from. Their downside to their profession is being hounded by paparazzi and stuff. But still, even then, I don't think that we, I think there's something pathological. I can understand, and again, I think it goes back to our evolutionary hardwiring and all of that, with needing to know how people are and assess them so we can know in-group, out-group, so we can assess each other, all of that. There's a lot that goes into that psychologically, and I understand that and account for that. But still, I think it's gone into pathology. I think it's toxic and bad when we feel like we are entitled to celebrities or anybody's really in her life and their personal life and their struggles. Do you want yours out there? I'm so private. I, I share some on social media, but I'm actually a very private person. I don't want it out there. And I don't think that we're entitled to others, really. So transparency does not equate with authenticity. Think about having like your deepest, darkest secrets or things that you're ashamed about and really tender about, think about having those on blast for the world to openly and ruthlessly and ignorantly, because they don't have all of the details, dissect. Where's the humanity, man? Come on. Your privacy is sacred. Everybody's privacy is sacred. More and more, I'm really drawn to privacy, to being more selective about what I share and how I share it. Trustworthiness matters. Not everybody has earned your story. And what drives me to share is I feel like if someone else can relate to it if it's for a purpose if it has value really that's what drives me to share 
and I really have tried to be even more intentional with what I share. Back to my conversation that I referenced earlier with my friend, in which we touched on basically all I've set up until just now. We also talked about how authenticity manifests differently with different people. I mean, it makes sense, right? Your authenticity is rooted in your individuality. It seems obvious, but I think it can be easy to forget. For example, my friend and I were laughing about, (laughs) I freaking love this, when during preschool orientation, the teacher expressed interest in hiring my sister for photography, and my sister replied, let a hoe know. <laughs> and she, we were all laughing about it after because she tur- turns around and she's like, you and Melissa's faces were like, your jaws were on the ground. Both reacting with jaw drops. And we both love my sister for letting her personality shine through. She is who she is and that doesn't fluctuate depending on her audience or environment. That's her authenticity. But my friend and I are more selective of when and where we say certain things. And that's just as authentic. That can be just as authentic. It's not that we're masking ourselves, our truths, our thoughts, or our personalities. It's just that we're adjusting to our environment, audience, and communicating accordingly. And different audiences and different contexts and environments elicit and evoke different responses. Like for me, I know that I, my energy depends on the people that I'm with. So if it's a really low energy crowd, I tend to become more outgoing. If it's a really like high energy, rambunctious crowd or person, then I really tend to like become more reserved and retreat. And I know that I'm like really with my people when I, because this is all subconscious. I'm not like consciously doing this. I've come to observe this myself because I, for a long time, I just felt so disingenuous. I was just like, why am I one way with one person and an entirely different way with another? I just felt so contradictory. And then I reflected and put it together and then yes that's exactly what it is and even just like someone if you're swearing a lot because I swear I mean I've already swore a few times on this if you're swearing a lot I just automatically not consciously or intentionally just stop swearing or really clean up that language and I think it's just because I'm just striking striving for balance really interesting and I know some of you might relate to that but that's just how it is and so it's a different situation might evoke a certain response in you and it's not that the other is you or is more or less you it's just it's still you if that makes sense and I really that took a while for me to reconcile and understand and to not feel (laughs) fake or like a poser and sure there's potential here for disingenuousness but it's not a given just because someone is one way with one crowd and a different with another doesn't mean they're being disingenuous and furthermore My friend and I prefer, this is another example, we prefer to get ready when we go out into public. And like my friend says, she shows up in the school drop-off, flying, dressed, and ready for the day. She's super chic, she's super cute, always looks put together. That's just her. And that's her truth. That's her being genuine. That's her being herself. Other moms show up in sweats and last night's makeup. That's their truth. That's that's them being them. And this doesn't mean one mom is more authentic than another or real than another. The real and keeping it real manifests differently depending on the individual. I'll say that again. The real and keeping it real manifests differently depending on the individual. And while we're at it, I've really been thinking lately on how interesting it is where we all arbitrarily draw the line with politics, with values, with aesthetics, etc. 
if you're all about accepting yourself the way you are, does that mean you're against teeth whitening? Does that mean you're against shaving, waxing, lasering, especially your legs or underarms if you're a female? Does this mean you're against braces for aesthetic reasons? Makeup? Cutting or coloring your hair? Plastic surgery isn't the only way to alter your body. If you get your lashes done yet denounce cosmetic fil filler, that's drawing a line for yourself. And we all have our lines drawn differently, right? Who's to say who's right? And I mean, that's we could get into it with politics too about choice and freedom and all of that. It's just ripe, ripe for discussion. We're not going to get into it on this, but there's a lot to be said there too. And um, this is no matter your political party on both sides. And I mean, just everybody is arbitrarily drawing the standard. And then it just feels like holding others to that standard. We have to realize sometimes there need to be like official standards and lines drawn. Sure. But just in society, I think it's important to remember it's all arbitrary. It's all subjective. And we all have our different opinions. And we have to remember, this is one of my pet peeves. We have to remember they're just opinion. So if you, and I know I already did a podcast episode on this, if you're listening to a song and you think it's the worst sound you've ever heard in your life, that's your opinion. That doesn't make it objectively so. So, uh, don't come across like shouting to the world that that is a shitty artist. No, you just, they just don't vibe with you. And that's fine. Doesn't mean that they're not talented just means it doesn't resonate with you. Even art, some of this art, abstract art, and some of that I actually have come to really love abstract art, but some of this art is just a different kind of art and it might not make sense to you. That doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It's what resonates with you and what resonates with you won't resonate with another and vice versa. And that's so important to remember. Gosh, what an easier and smoother operation this life would be for everybody if we could all remember that, right? So going back to this, we're all drawing a line in different ways. And like I said, authenticity has long been a value and a focus of mine. From my personal experience though, our truth is always there. So even though you might think that you have like your authenticity shifts or changes or you don't know like who you are. I guess that's what I'm trying to say here. If you don't know who you are and you're still trying to uncover that and discover like your truth and your identity and what you want, who you are, it's there. It's always there. But I've just even more in recent years, I've come to or months, I should say, not years and years recently, I have come to see how I, I feel like I'm pretty self-aware. I know I'm pretty self-aware. I mean, I have my blind spots. I'm not saying I'm perfect and omniscient, but I'm a reflector. I'm a deep thinker. You might be too. And I really want to be as self-aware as I can, man. I want to be the best that I can. My highest self, my favorite self. And I heard that recently. Your favorite self leaves room for grace. Not just your highest, your highest self, but your favorite self leaves room for grace. So I'd like to be my favorite self. And through that um, comes, or that comes through self-awareness. So I always try to be as self-aware as possible, but even still just, I think it's, I'm just uncovering just the last couple of months. I'm uncovering new layers to myself and I'm like, huh, that's where that comes from. That's why I do that. That's, that's a pattern in my life. That's why this is happening. 
And I just felt like I needed to go through time and experiences and lessons and stuff like that to access those deeper layers. I wasn't ready for it before. And so in one way, your authenticity and your truth are always there. And you can technically like really access them whenever. But like for the, I think for the full Monty, the full amount of it, you have to go through some stuff. You have to go through some layers to access your truth requires time intention experience love grace awareness stillness it can be a lifelong process and journey of uncovering your layers and accessing your authenticity your true self your truth in its purest form i mean even from before we were born with generational trauma and experiences in utero etc it's fascinating what you can like absorb from your mom from your mom those layers start multiplying, piling one on top of another, burying our truth further and further down. So it's going to take some time and some effort and awareness to drill past all of those. And I found different phases in my life, uncovered new, different, deeper layers. Like I was saying, new experiences, new ages, new lessons, unlock new levels. It's like a game. It's kind of cool. New nuggets of wisdom and truths about myself and truths that I've forgotten and relearned. And it seems like no matter how well I think I know myself, there are always still new discoveries and strata to discover. Layers that only time, knowledge, experience, wisdom, and maturity can illuminate. And just in case I gave you the wrong impression with my content on here, on here, I am not always gracious. I'm not always cool, calm, and collected. I am not always grounded and present. I'm not always sweet and nice. And those aren't always positives anyway. Talked about that on past episodes. I'm not always motivated. I'm not always sure of myself. Sometimes I do care what other people think. I definitely don't always have it together. Definitely not. I can be fiery and reactive. Really, really fiery and reactive. I can be spacey. I can be frustrated. And sometimes I feel like a fake when I come on here extolling the virtues of love, empathy, acceptance, calmness, patience, and understanding, and then don't always live those in real life. Do I try? Do I believe in and mean what I say? Absolutely. Every single word. Do I have pure intentions? All the way. But knowing and applying are two different things, right? We know this. Think of all the things you know you should, shouldn't do for your health, your relationships, your success, your whatever, yet you do or don't do. For multiple possible reasons, it's not always just about willpower. Even doctors and other experts are humans and experience this. The knowledge alone isn't enough. It's what we consistently do with that knowledge. In the past, if an expert ever, intentionally or otherwise, revealed fallibility in their own application of the knowledge, I'd... I'll admit, I'd start to doubt or discount their experience message. Like, okay, clearly they don't know what they're talking about. But that's just silly. It's unreasonable and it's silly. And now I realize that's not fair and that doesn't serve them or me. Just because you don't always live the answer doesn't mean you don't have it. And I think Gabby Bernstein said that. Say that again. Just because you don't always live the answer doesn't mean you don't have it. Just means we're complicated, nuanced human beings. And why rob yourself of others' knowledge and wisdom just because they had a misstep or made a mistake? We're all human and we all have our own challenges and hang-ups. I don't trust the people who 
look so polished and so put together that they just look like they're perfect. That's when that to me, that's a red flag. Now I'm just like, Ooh, mm, okay. They're glossing over something. They're hiding something. I really respect the people who own their shortcomings and their flaws and their missteps. I really, 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 really respect that. And it just amplifies my trust in them and my respect for them, ironically. So, I mean, here's a question you can ask yourself. Does your life reflect the person you believe yourself to be and say you are overall? Without you declaring your open-minded, inclusive, non-discriminatory, generous, principled, ethical, good, etc., whatever, how would people know? Could they tell just by observing you? And it's not going to be every moment of every day. Any snapshot in my life, you catch me at a bad day or a super insecure moment and I'm fiery and reactive, you're going to be like, if that's all you see of me or that's all you base your judgment on, you're going to walk away thinking, that girl is whack. She's awful. She doesn't walk. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't walk the talk. She's not who she makes herself out to be. She's an awful human being. I mean, that's, it's not going to happen every second of every day. You're going to, like we said, you're going to mess up and you're going to have your moments. But overall, if somebody looks and it's how you handle those two, that really reveals your character. And if you still stay in and stay, don't just like give up and be like, okay, well, I'm just resign myself to being an awful person. No, like if you still, that's, I will say one thing I, not to make this about me, but one thing that I do appreciate about myself is that I, I try, I will always try. I mess up a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And just, it feels like even lately, just even more, I've been really reactive lately and I I'm just so grateful that no matter like how many moments a day, I'm like, oh my gosh, Whitney, be better. But I still have that in me. I still get up and I'm still like, yes, I can and will be better. And that keeps me going. I'm so grateful for that. So it's still a good checkpoint for us. I mean, asking ourselves if our words align with our actions and lifestyle, if our life speaks for itself. And so like I said at the start, though, our truth is always there and it's ours to know. And it's not necessarily instantly known to us. And from even before we're born, I mean, we have layers piled on us that we have to later dig through, but it's still there. And we can access that through stillness and awareness. And this doesn't mean knowing and channeling your authenticity requires a journey of a zillion steps. And in the meantime, we're just buzzing around like a bunch of posers with no idea who we are. Though that right there is a pretty loaded surface statement that we could spend some time unpacking, but we won't. Let's just say that we're all on an authenticity, self-awareness spectrum, and we tend to bounce around the spectrum depending on the time, environment, subject, etc. I mean, we can be all over the place, right? There is a super speed highway shortcut version to expedite the process and access. Process of accessing your authenticity reservoir. That is the you inside of you to figure out who you really are. And that is getting quiet in any sense of the word. Stillness can help, but isn't required. Just try to calm your thoughts, calm your mind and body as much as possible and allow your inner knowing to come through. And it's there, especially if you're facing like a tough decision or something. Best piece of advice, good piece of advice. I won't make that a superlative is to just get quiet, to go within. And if you follow Glennon Doyle, she talks about that a lot. Just go within, pay attention to what resonates and how it resonates within you. And that's a good guide. I mean, just pay attention, pay attention to what resonates. 
who resonates with you, what resonates with you, what calls to you. Those are signs to you, to what matters, to your identity, to your authenticity. And we're all on the journey together. And on that note, let's call it a day. And I love you all. And thanks for listening. 